Thanks for tuning in this August. We are doing a best of series. So we are playing some of the favorite episodes because we did these before we were doing video format. You'll note that there is no video to go along with us. You can still listen to it on your favorite video platform. You'll just have a static picture in the background. Enjoy the episodes and God bless. Today's episode is called Follow God, Not Your Dreams. Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. And this episode is for anyone who has been really trying to accomplish or achieve something in life and you just feel like you have these huge dreams and every time you try to make progress on them you hit a closed door and you don't know why or you've really done something that you thought God was calling you to do and it didn't turn out the way (laughs) that you wanted it to at all and you feel more or less like a failure. We're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about how to change things around a little bit to maybe align ourselves better with God and with his plans for our lives. And then our idea of success is going to be very, very different. So the world is going to tell us that we need to follow our dreams. You hear that all the time, especially at graduation time, (laughs) anytime that you have a young person graduating, if you go and look through the cards, you see all sorts of cards that say, follow your dreams and don't let anybody, you know, put you down and go to great heights and do all that you want to do. And the world is yours for the taking. And those things can really set people up for failure. So if we follow our heart, And our hearts are where, you know, dreams originate so often. If we follow our heart, then we're going to get into trouble. And this is why. Because in Genesis 6, 5, as God's looking at the world, he said, The Lord saw that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. This was in the days before the flood. But aren't we there again And if you think, oh, no, those days were way more wicked than, you know, anything we see today. Well, look at what God said to Jeremiah. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I examine the mind to reward a man according to his way by what his deeds deserve. So God there is saying, look, I look in people's hearts and guess what I found? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. So if our dreams originate in our hearts, well, then there's a good chance that those aren't necessarily going to be good dreams. Why? Because our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts are selfish. Our inclinations are evil. So we're going to be looking at things that help us or that make us look good, or that are for our benefit, rather than looking at what God's plan for our life is. The Apostle Paul, who is clearly a man who was sold out for God, I mean, he did so much work for God in the second half of his life after God turned him around. 
he even said, look, the good that I want to do, I don't do. And the evil that I don't want to do, that's exactly what I do. What a wretched man I am. You know, so even the Apostle Paul, if you think, oh, it's just, you know, Amber, I'm better than that. My heart's probably in the right place. Well, the Apostle Paul, he was like, uh, I can't get it right. As hard as I try, man, I struggle because I don't do the good things that I should. And I do the bad things that I shouldn't. So I can't get it right. So that's why I think it's important to forget about your dreams. Forget about the plans that originate in your heart. And instead, let the plan and let the dream be to follow God. The psalmist says, Better is one day in their courts than a a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Did you catch that? What is he saying? He's saying, get your heart in check and your desires are going to line up with God. Just serve. Lord, put me where you need me. You need a doorkeeper? Okay, I'll be a doorkeeper. Because you know what? I'd rather serve you, whatever that means and whatever that looks like, than go after my own evil, wicked, selfish desires and end up somewhere that's apart from you. I don't want to end up at the end of my life realizing that I have chased everything that I want to do and I've missed out on all the things that God would have had me do. Too often, we tell God what we want. I want to do this and put me here, Lord, or I'll do this for you and I'll do anything. But when God says, oh, good, because I need you to mother your children, Or I need you to be the caregiver for your elderly parents. Or I need you to be a friend to that person who has cancer or who is suicidal. Well, we don't want to be bothered with those things. That's not at all what we want. No, we want to actually do something that makes a difference. Well, those things do make a difference. Those things make a huge difference. And look at how many times... God saw the one person. God saw the woman at the well. What if Jesus had had overlooked her? Because he didn't want to do just that little thing. He didn't want to deal with that kind of person. He didn't want to take his afternoon for her. And yet he was on a mission from God who told him to. And so he spent his time there and and. A whole community was changed because of it. Who knows what your children will go on to do in the kingdom of the Lord because you invested in them? Who knows if by taking care of your elderly parents, if you might be the difference between them finishing in the Lord or falling into despair the end of their days? Who knows if by being that friend during that time of cancer 
or of them being suicidal, who knows what they will go on to do for the Lord if you invest in them. We are so prone to wanting to do only what we want to do. And I'm saying, why don't we make it our dream to follow God and to be available for whatever God wants us to do? And that is how we we align our dreams with God's. So I'm going to give you two things that I think are really important steps in making this happen. Number one, we have to learn obedience. We have to learn to do what God asks us to do the way that he wants us to do them. So Jesus said in Luke 16.10, Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little also will be dishonest with much. Pay attention to how you are living now. So often we think things like, you know, if I had a lot of money, I would totally help so-and-so out. Well, why don't you help them out now? So maybe you can't give 100000 Can you give a hundred? Can you give them a couple hours of your time. Listen, if we can't be generous with what God has given us now, there is no way we're going to be generous if God gives us more. We are going to have the same thoughts and ideas about how we spend our money. How do I know? Because when we get more money so often, we are prone to thinking we need better things. You get money from somewhere and you think, oh, great, now I can buy a new car. Or, Now we can go on vacation, or now we can do the house remodel that we always wanted to do, or whatever, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We always have ways that we can spend more money. If we can't be generous now, we're probably not going to be generous later. Or we say things like, God, I'll treat others really well if you put me in a position of leadership. You put me over people and you just see how good of a job I do um, being good and kind and loving yeah, I don't like my family at all. Can't stand my mother-in-law. Can't stand my sister-in-law. Can't stand, you know, my cousin who keeps trying to get a hold of me because she needs help with this. Can't stand them. But I'm pretty sure when I'm in leadership, I'm going to be totally different. No, you're not. If you don't have time for your mother-in-law or your father-in-law or your sister-in-law, if their um, needs put you over the edge, How are you going to serve more people? Because leadership just amounts to service. It amounts to being there for a, a larger group of people. If you can't do it now, you're probably not going to do a good job later on. Or, you know, how many people want to be, you know, in charge of something, and yet they don't keep any secrets now. They are so free with their mouths, and yet they want to be in charge, you know, then you're entrusted with so many more important things. If you can't do it now, you're not going to do it later. Think of people like Daniel, Joseph, and David. All of them proved before they became um, prominent leaders in in their respective areas, they all proved that they were going to be faithful in the little things, where they were way before they were raised up. 
Remember Joseph and how he refused, even as a servant, he refused to sleep with his master's wife. Joseph refused to kill King Saul. He refused to do it. He said, that's not my place. He's the Lord's anointed. How dare I go against him? Daniel showed God just when he had come to Babylon. He had just gotten there and he was in training. And he said, look, I am not going to disobey God by eating and drinking food sacrificed to idols and wine that's been, you know, put aside for idols. I want to keep my conscience clear. I'm going to serve God first and foremost. And then beyond that, I'll serve the king. And as he did that, God raised him up. But all these men proved to God that they could be trusted with little way before God ever raised them up. The second thing that is of vital importance, you'll notice the most useful person in the workplace is the one who can be counted on to be what to do whatever needs to be done. So they're not just, you know, pinned to this little little thing and this is their expertise and they can do this, but they won't do that. And don't ask them to do something that they've never done before because they've never done that before. No, flexibility in the workplace. Can you do this? Can you take it up a notch? So I know you've been doing this, but what if we put it in in this area? What if we wanted to stretch it and grow it a little bit? And those people who can say, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to do that, but I'll definitely look into it and I'll see what I can do. Those people are valuable. They're not stuck in a rut. They're not people who can't change when situations change. They're eager to serve and they're willing to do what it takes, even if it's out of their comfort zone. So I used to do a lot of things at church. I used to do a lot of seminars and um, gatherings and that type of thing. And there was this woman, (laughs) she's with the Lord now, but um, she would show up and God bless her. She would always show up like a half an hour before the event started. And she would just say, Amber, what needs to be done? And it didn't matter if I asked her to set up tables or to light candles or to do something in the kitchen. She was just there to serve. You could ask her to do anything and eagerly she would just go about and do it. So often we have decided what we will do and what we won't do. And because we're saying, no, I won't do that or no, I could never even imagine doing that. We refuse to be part of all that God would have us do. So back in 2000 and let's see, it must have been 19. um, I went to a Christian writers conference and I was so pumped because I got a, um, and I got an appointment with an editor. And you know, if you've ever been to a Christian writers conference, the editor spots fill up super fast. So you can either meet with a, a literary agent or an editor, or sometimes there's um, publicists or marketing people or whatever, you know, little area you need help with. You can you can sign up and these people only have like 10 slots throughout the day or something. And you have to be really quick in signing up and you might get in with your first choice, or maybe you'll have to move to your second or your third choice or whatever. But even so, the slots fill up super, super fast. And so there have been years that I've gone to these writers conferences and I I don't get a slot because I wasn't quick 
to sign up for them. And by the time I finally got around to looking through all the editors or or whoever was there, then I'd go to say, okay, this is the one I want. And then the slots were all, all taken. So I was super excited because I had this slot with this literary agent. And I just thought this is going to be great. Um, not an agent, an editor, sorry. And so I had researched the company. And sure enough, yep, she, you know, she was in my genre and all this. So they set a timer for 10 minutes. So you get exactly 10 minutes with this person and then they move on to the next person or they're done with their time and they get up and leave. And so I was sitting and talking to this editor and I was telling her some of the projects that I really wanted to do and that were, you know, on my heart. And she stopped me mid-sentence. I'm not kidding. So I was just doing what I'm doing with you. I was just in the middle of telling her, you know, I really want to do this. And I have this project that I've been thinking about. She stops me. She said, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And I said, well, this is the deal. I really stink at technology. So, um, you know, that's a little out of my realm. And she said, no, seriously, I am sitting here listening to you talk. And I think you have a way of putting your thoughts and your ideas together, you know, and your voice isn't totally unpleasant to listen to. So I think, I think what you should do is you should start a podcast. Now, I went away very dejected because <laughs> that is not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear her say, you know what? What I think you should do is take that and write it and send it to me and let's make a book. That's what I wanted. That's really all I wanted. So I walk away dejected. I didn't know what was going on. So about two weeks later, Time of Grace, um, the vice president of Time of Grace sent me an email and he said, Amber, would you consider doing a vlog for us? You know, your one blog that you did this year went really, really well. So we were just wondering if you'd consider expanding on that and doing a vlog. So I did it and I sent it to him and I didn't hear anything back. So two weeks passed or so and I finally got up the nerve and I said, hey, just wondering what you were thinking about that vlog. And, and, I, and I seriously said in the email, just tell me the truth. I don't care if it's bad. I just want to know the truth. And he said, yeah, you know, it, you were a little bit um, not super personal the way that we like, you know, our, our videos to be. We like them to be pretty casual and laid back and just off the cuff. And, and it seemed too scripted and it seemed too, um, I don't know, it just, it just didn't resonate really. So we were thinking more podcast material or I don't know, we haven't really thought much about it. And when the word podcast came back in the response, something like a little light bulb went off in my head. And I said, hey, can I call you? And I called him and I said, you know, I know this is crazy, but I'm just going to tell you, you know, I just met with this editor and she suggested a podcast. And what do you think about that? And he said, well, Time of Grace definitely wants to expand on podcasts. So let me set you up with a producer. You guys can chat. She can see what she thinks and, and we'll go from there, which led to me doing a demo, which was absolutely awful. I've mentioned it before, you know, I was speaking into the wrong side of the microphone. I had no concept of how to make, um, you know, sound work and how how to do things at all. I didn't know how to plan a podcast. It was way too scripted. You know, she had to work with me, which she did. 
But the bottom line is this. I wasn't so set in, I write books. This is what I do. That I couldn't adjust when opportunity arose. And that's what we do so often when God has something for us. We go, but I don't do that. Or that's outside of my ability. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. It's too much learning. No, I'm meant for this. And we keep beating our heads against a door that is closed instead of being willing to follow the prompting of the Spirit when he goes, hey, you know what? We need someone to do a podcast. Are you up for that? And even if you aren't, you just go, (laughs) okay, Lord, this is the deal. Clearly, I am not equipped for this. I am not the most articulate person, but you know what? I am available. You got someone who's available. So I'll tell you what, I'll do the podcast and if you want it to work, that's on you. But I'll be faithful to the calling that you give me. That's how we are most effective in the kingdom. Um, In Proverbs 16, we read, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. This is so important because God doesn't share his glory, and he can only use the humble. So what are your motives behind what you're trying to do? Are you trying to make a name for yourself? Are you trying to get the position of honor? Um, Or are you just saying to God, you know what, I am just here to help. You put me where you want want me to be. And you know what, you want me to be a doorkeeper, you want me to be a mom, you want me to help the elderly, whatever you want, name it, I'm your person. There's a meme that says, God's timing, not mine. God's will, not mine. God's plan, not mine. God's glory, not mine. Listen, if that's your motto for life, you will never be disappointed. Because no matter what happens, it's all part of God's plan. If you are actually committing your ways to the Lord, committing your plans to the Lord, and if you're saying, Lord, I'm available and I'm showing up, so you show me what you want to do, then whatever he tells you to do, you're thrilled. Oh, you need me to teach a Sunday school class? Sounds great. You know what? I taught Sunday school for 12 years. I led the Sunday school for 12 years. I taught for probably 14 or 15 years. And guess what God was doing during that whole time? He was increasing my knowledge of his word. Every single week I was teaching, I was in God's word. I was learning. I was delving. All those things that you do, they are training you up for the next thing. So if you can say, listen, it's God's timing, not mine. It's his will, not mine. It's his plan, not mine. It's his glory, not mine. You won't be disappointed. Wherever you put me, Lord, I am thrilled. I am in your house and I am not in the tents of the wicked. I am not spending my time on things that don't have any eternal value. I'm yours. There's another meme that says, if God wants a a thing to succeed, you can't mess it up. 
And if he wants a thing to fail, you can't save it. Rest and be faithful. I'm going to share um, something that I haven't told too many people, but my first four books were um, self-published. So I paid to publish them. And I did so because I felt um, like I had things that I, I wanted to say and do. And so two of them were novels, two of them were Bible studies. But um, the self-publishing world is a very difficult world because you're paying to get your book published and then you are on your own as far as marketing, as far as, you know, selling, as far as anything. So you really are wearing several hats. You're you're wearing the writer hat, but you're the business person and you're the marketing agent and you're you're everything. And so it's a very difficult road to travel. And there, at least for me, I've heard that there are success stories out there. But I mean, there was clearly, clearly no money in it. I mean, it, it, you don't do it for the money. I didn't do it for the money because um, I would have given up years ago. And I remember very distinctly having coffee with a friend of mine. And this was maybe after my fourth book. And we were talking about all this and, you know, why do you keep writing these books? You know, why, why do you keep doing this when there's no money in it, when maybe there's not much of a market in it? And um, I said to her, you know, I've come to the point in my life much like Peter, when Jesus asked his disciples if they were going to leave because a lot of people who had been following Jesus, they were leaving in droves. They were turning away from him because the teaching was too hard. And they realized that he wasn't just going to provide their daily bread. So, you know, if they couldn't have a bread king, well, they didn't want him at all. And Jesus asked his disciples, are you going to leave too? And the apostle Peter said, Lord, to who shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so I said, you know, I've just decided that I'm in it regardless. I'm in it if there's not any money in it. I'm in it if no one's listening. I'm just going to be faithful with what's on, you know, what's been put on my lap. So if, if I have a Bible study in mind for women, you know what? If 30 or 300 women do it, and it leads them to a closer walk with God, score, right? Then, then it wasn't wasted. But let me tell you something. The process of writing those books and publishing those books, especially because they were self-published, um, I had to do a lot of the editing and it honed my craft. It set me up to be a better writer and to be a better editor, which played in spades when it came to opportunities down the line. I just finished a project um, that came out in April of 2020 with um, several other other later ladies, and I had been the project manager for the for the project. So I had I was, you know, in the inception phase and coming up with the idea and then finding writers. And then I had all the writers um, write their chapters, send them to me, and I edited them, send them back. And so that when we gave the publishing company 
the finished product. It was, it was, you know, all on one theme and all the chapters flowed together and, and that I couldn't have done that without the experience I'd had before, without putting in all those long hours with zero notoriety, with zero, um, fame, glory, with zero, uh, benefit to my bank account. You do it because you're working for the Lord, period, knowing that he sees you and you do it without worrying about what or how you will prosper. I have said for years, God pays in the best ways and it has very little to do with money. So when God pays you in spiritual gifts and in relationships that are beautiful and golden, look, you can find a lot of wealthy people who don't have good friends, who don't have good marriages, who don't have relationships with their children, who don't feel part of anything because they are so much higher um, in fame than anybody else that they can't be part of it. I don't want any part of that. God gifts in beautiful, wonderful ways, and that's why he is worthy of our service, wherever that is, with whomever, whenever. Follow God, not your dreams, and God will put different dreams in your hearts. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Thank you so much for listening today. And don't forget to share this message with a friend that you think could really be encouraged and supported through this. I can't thank you enough for your prayers. They really keep us going at Time of Grace. You know what else keeps us going? Time of Grace is 100% donor funded. If you'd like to support us, you can find a link on just how to do that in the episode notes. Thanks for your consideration.